What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. I am your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset, your behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. So here we are on episode 59. Last week, I was speaking with a man called John Penkwith from Wales, who was telling us all about the way you can analyze data and you can predict where the market is going, what uh, pockets of the market are going to outperform other pockets of the market. And uh, you can do all of that using the existing data that is out there on all of the different property portals available on over the internet. So very interesting conversation. This week, we are talking again about the power of the internet. And um, it is through my conversation with Miss Ellie Mackay. Now, before I get into that, I just want to give a quick shout out to the 54 people who listened to my podcast first thing on Monday morning. And the reason I'm doing saying that is because I have just switched out the episode with a better version. Um, my first one had a bit of a microphone meltdown. And uh, so I am actually recording this a second time using the higher quality mic. And uh, at the time of recording this, there are 54 people who have already listened to the poor version. So I hope they'll forgive me and uh, welcome guys to the episode. And um, I'm glad you're enjoying the uh, podcasts as they go on. So let's get into who is Ellie Mackay. Er Ellie and her husband, Mark, have built a pretty decent property portfolio in just the last three years. And let's not forget, COVID has taken up about the last 18 months uh, so it's about th half of their portfolio building journey has been in the middle of COVID. And the reason they've been able to do so well is that they've actually used the power of LinkedIn to leverage and grow their relationships with investors. But it's not through what you might expect. You might expect the hard sell. They're out there pushing it all the time. Actually, not at all. They're far more uh, subtle than that, and they're much more authentic. And they talk about their life, their journey, their struggles, all of that kind of stuff. And so it's um, it seems that they've picked up a huge interest in um, in this kind of method because they're now at 34 or certainly Ellie is at 34,000 followers on her LinkedIn. And so she has quite a powerful voice and she's gone off and started a podcast and they've started a uh, they have an electrical contracting business and they also have a fire um protection business. So they're a really entrepreneurial couple. And I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation with Miss Ellie McKay. Ellie McKay, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. Really looking forward to it. <laughs> it's good to have you on. And tell us just whereabouts are you based today? Are you at home or in an office or? Well, I'm actually working from home. I think uh, we, we do have offices, but during lockdown, we acquired two very gorgeous and somewhat mischievous puppies. So uh -huh. I, I found myself working from home. I've set up a, we moved to a new house. I've set up my podcast studio and office from, from here as well. So yeah, that's where I am today. In, yeah, in I see the the sign on the wall uh, on a mission, so it's a it's a nice a nice studio. Um, I'm going to get into loads of different things today. Obviously, you've got. Uh, I was going to say today is kind of an auspicious occasion. The day that we're having this podcast, you're you're you've got exactly thirty four thousand followers on your LinkedIn, and so that's clearly something to talk about today. But you're in the property investment sector, and you're doing a lot of those different things. So we're going to go into all of that. But first, just to kind of give the audience an idea, who is Ellie McKay? Give us the 30-second elevator pitch. So my name is Ellie McKay and alongside my husband Mark we um, set up combined property, uh, full-time property investors and developers. Um, we do have multiple businesses, we have an electrical installation business and a, a fire protection business as well but um, property is where my heart lies um, I, and I'm a marketer above all else. You, you mentioned LinkedIn and um, I'm a great believer in it. it's not what you know, it's not who you know, it's who knows you and um, yeah it, it's definitely the market element that's um, helped us to get the success we've had to date. Yeah, it's great. It's so interesting to sort of hear some of the stories of how you've grown that number because I've been on LinkedIn for years and, you know, I consider myself to be a regular enough kind of poster of uh, content and stuff, but I'm only at like one eighth of what you've managed to achieve. So we're going to get into all of that. But can you just give us a little bit to start off um, just a bit of the backstory? Like, how did you what was it that kind of got you into the property sector? 
<laughs> well, the truth, the truth is we were in our early 20s. We were very entrepreneurial, uh, full of life and full of energy. Um, <laughs> not much else. Uh, we, we sat there Googling get rich quick. Uh, what could possibly go wrong, you say? Uh, it was a toss up between stocks and shares and property and property one. Uh, and it was um, back in the days where you could buy off plan or buy a property and refinance it in the same day, which um, to be fair, would have been an incredible time to be involved in property. Um, unfortunately, it didn't quite work out like that for, for us. Um, we allowed ourselves to be sold a dream. Uh, we bought an off-market property, just a, a single apartment. But for us in our early 20s, you know, it was a significant amount of money. And um, a property we bought for 125,000 um, became worth 60,000. So the, <laughs> the intention was this property was going to be worth 170,000, but the development unfortunately got flooded and the build was delayed and it wasn't completed till 2010 where we were smack bang in the middle of the recession. Um, and yeah, we, we had to come up with, I think, £40,000 deficit just to be mortgageable. Um, we were unable to walk away. We were quite happy to walk away from the money we'd already put down, which was quite a sizable amount, but um, contractually we were stitched up like kippers. And I've got to say at the time, it was definitely the most stressful um, experience that, that we've went through. Um, I, I pretty much had a, a complete, you know, nervous breakdown as a result of it they were they were going to come after our existing assets which for clarity wasn't a great deal um as i mentioned we, we were only you know very young and both on relatively uh, modest salaries at the time and um yeah we, we only had the, the our current home and probably a second hand you know golf or a, a ford fiesta or something like that but um, yeah they they tried to come after us for it and um it was a baptism of fire for sure. Wow. And actually off the back of that, I became very risk averse, um, was more than happy to return to the, the comfort and the security of a nine to five and the, the security that that provided basically. And it wasn't until years later that we returned to property. Uh, I was, my husband set up his electrical business in 2010 and I found it quite fascinating to see the change in him going from a, a sort of employee mentality to, to running his own business. And on a Monday morning when the alarm went off and I'm sort of thinking, oh, God, you know, he, he's sort of leaping out of bed with a spring in his step. And, you know, on an evening he was, this was long before we had children, he was, you know, happily getting the laptop out and he was just full of enthusiasm. And I, I couldn't really get my head around the fact that he didn't want to watch all the, the mundane television with me. And <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was a bit of an eye opener. And uh, it wasn't until 2018 that I had the the confidence and self-belief, I suppose, to, um, to to start dabbling again. And it's been it's been quite phenomenal, really, to think what we've achieved in such a short space of time, because um, we've only been doing this full time for for three years now and it's um, three and and it's not just any three years it's the last three years 50 percent of that has been the pandemic so yeah. you're right in the middle of it uh, halfway through your kind of your journey and and how have you fared i mean is the the business is doing well um yeah. it, despite the pandemic and and all of the disruption that that's brought we actually had, um, you know, the, the reality is we, we all know the, the negative sides of the pandemic, but the, there, there's been a lot of positives as well for us, uh, not, not just in the business sense, but when there was a lot of trepidation in the market last year, we really capitalised on that opportunity and actually we, we sort of switched our strategy because up until that point, we kind of operate on two bases. We do um, portfolio building for our clients and we also offer uh, fixed returns to our investors, which... Um, is probably the more preferable out of the two because that allows us the autonomy to be able to go and um, build our own portfolio or uh, you know do our own projects. Um, and last year we we acquired twenty properties for our own portfolio, so we we just doubled down. And wow, twenty is a good number. Yeah, yeah. we got stuck in. And so tell us, I mean, uh, that really interests me. The fact that you you went through that really initial baptism of fire. And you were out of it for for more than you know for ten years about by the sounds of it. So it's really interesting that you've come back and that you're you're succeeding. So you you learned some lessons <laughs> during that break away from it. Um, and tell me this: I'm curious about your your investors, the fixed returns. Tell us about what you're offering uh, investors and how how that all came about. Well, you mentioned LinkedIn, and and this is actually where it started for me because um, I invested 
in property education back in 2018, which was a whole new world for me. Uh, you know, I was complete uh, novice to the wealth creation space. And um, I'd actually been made redundant while I was on maternity leave. I was a, a qualified careers advisor working in prisons and working for probation up until that point. And um, my maternity leave had ran out and I'd actually sort of went through the, the humiliation of pushing my, my double pram into the job centre and I was actually claiming job seekers allowance when I did my property training back in 2018. Um, my mental health wasn't in a great place. I was uh, struggling with uh, quite quite severe postnatal depression, having crippling anxiety attacks, really struggling to leave the house. So um, when, I, uh, when I walked into the doors to, to do the education with my husband, it was probably one of the most daunting things that I've ever done and um, one of my mentors at the time said on day one you're a marketer first and everything else second and, and that's irrelevant of your sector wow because that's if, interesting yeah if people know who you are then you know you're open for business and it, I appreciate there's a lot of very successful people out there without a personal brand or um, a, a high profile but my sort of response to that is, well, can you imagine where you would be if more people knew about, you know, what you did and, and the support that you offered? So from, um, we left the property training, we actually purchased two properties within within four days, no money down. Um, obviously, wow. we, we used money. Uh, but at that at that point, it was um, it was joint venture partners where we, we teamed up with a guy, a fighter pilot who was living out in Qatar. A typical avatar really of someone who's who's cash rich, time poor, wasn't able to, to go out and view properties or facility um, refurbs or you know deal with all the sort of boots on the ground stuff. So we did that and we profit shared 50-50 for our first couple of deals. And that's when I set up my LinkedIn profile because um you know the, there's so much power in LinkedIn, but at that point I I limited understanding of it was it was just basically an online cv i had yeah. no idea of the the power of the network and of course we didn't have any property deals to shout about that was the reality and we didn't want to to tell any lies but we did present position ourselves as that sort of preeminent authority and the reason i share that with people is there's quite a limiting belief for, for anyone that's newer to the property industry, that you do need to have a track record before you're able to raise finance. And my personal experience completely contradicted that. I found that by sharing um, a little bit about me, you know, our values, our journey, what we were doing, and when I say our, our, our journey, what we were doing, I don't mean posting every time we went for a viewing. You know, nobody wants to see that. But sharing a little bit about the things that were important to me, like mental health, like spinning plates, uh, sharing the lows as well as the highs. How do you go all in with your business when, and, and be a present parent? You know, at the time when we set up the property business, my youngest, Sam, was only a few months old. So we had quite a lot of backlash from, from our nearest and dearest. Um, this isn't a great time. Why don't you wait till the children are older? What about Brexit? The property market's absolutely saturated. But of course, you've, you've just got to kind of crack on. So, so that's initially where it started with the LinkedIn. And we found within the first few months, before we got the keys to our first property, we'd actually raised a few hundred thousand pounds in private investment. Um, and then in 2019, um, we raised four million um, pounds just through my personal LinkedIn profile, um, not including you know the other platforms or, wow. or any other connections that we made. So yeah, it was, um, it's been without doubt, you know, I, I said that as a, you're a marketer first, but it's been without doubt that, that we attribute our success to date to otherwise we wouldn't have been able to to sort of fund the, the, the multiple projects that we've had yes. on the events. That's fantastic! Wow, it's 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 impressive. You're based in in Doncaster yeah. in the UK. I mean, do you invest in the whole of the UK, or do you stay local to Doncaster? Yeah, I mean, we don't. We, we invest primarily in Yorkshire and Lincolnshire, but we've got contacts now. Uh, again, relationships and marketing—it's what I do. So we've now got a powerful network across across the UK. That's brilliant. Yeah, um, and then I mean. LinkedIn, you mentioned the power of LinkedIn. I mean, how long has it taken you to actually, did you, you said you started your profile in 2018. Yeah. So the 34,000 that you're now at uh, is just three years of work. I mean, which seems incredible when I consider the, the 4,000 I have is like <laughs> seven or eight years of work. So, I mean, how much time are you putting into 
this uh, into the effort to kind of grow your 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 profile? So so less now, but at the time it was it was almost a full time job, and I think that's probably what set me apart from everyone else because there can be quite a lot of negative ne- negativity towards LinkedIn, and um, yeah, I. I People question whether it's a, a proper job. You know, it was like because my husband was more operational, he was the one coordinating the project managers or the you know facilitating the, the acquisitions or, or whatever else, that there, there was a, a perception, a misperception um, from certain people that that my piece of the puzzle wasn't bringing as much value to the table. But without the millions of pounds in private investment we raised from the LinkedIn, then there, there would be no operational side. And where I see people going wrong with it is they treat social media, whether it's LinkedIn or the other platforms, as a bolt-on to what they're already doing or an, a bit of an inconvenience as opposed to giving it the respect that it actually deserves and treating it as a full-time job. Because it's not the amount of time it takes me to post. It's the amount of time it takes me to to understand the platform and really see what's um, what's working, what what gets the engagement, what's connecting with people, because people don't want to be educated and your more fact-based uh, posts, they, they just simply don't go anywhere. They don't gain the traction. And I see the LinkedIn profile almost as a, a shop window. It doesn't matter how beautifully set up your shop window is, if nobody's walking past it, then no one's coming in to, to buy what you've got to offer. Right. And 80% of my content is not property specific. Um, my, my strategy kind of goes against what most of your social media gurus will tell you because um, it is, I call it being the lighthouse, which is where you stand right, you shine, you let everyone know who you are and what you do. And they come towards you, you know, as opposed to the tugboat, which is constantly expelling energy and pushing and pulling to get the exact same result. Right. Okay. Interesting way to to look at it. And I mean, in terms of your growth, I mean, has there been a particular post or, you know, certain posts or areas that have you know, suddenly gone viral for you and, and you got a huge sort of input from that. I mean, I, I remember back in 2019, I posted a video on LinkedIn and it was really just a bit of fun. It wasn't supposed to be anything in particular, but in a, in the space of about five days, I had 150,000 uh, views on it and like hundreds and hundreds of comments. And it was the first time I'd ever had anything go viral. And, I, you know, Naturally, you, you pick up a lot of contact connections and stuff like that from that. But I remember the thinking, God, I have to reply to all of these comments, you know, because you should you should like engage with the commentary. And it was hundreds. I mean, every time I checked my phone, there would be another 25 comments. I mean, do you engage with I mean, obviously, with 34,000 connections now, you must have huge engagement. Do you do you have time to kind of connect with the people uh, or do you have a team that are helping uh, helping you do that or how do you structure it? I, I have um, a team member who manages my inbox but um, very interesting up until this point I personally tried to reply to as many messages as is possible but you know I, I, as we're growing all of the businesses and uh, it's becoming less and less practical to be able to do that so um, I am going to need to look at outsourcing it but I will always keep my hand in and I will always look at who's engaging with my my content and you know if there's um, certain names that continue to crop up I do make a point in reaching out and making sure that you um, you know you you do have that connection especially for the if somebody just puts great posts then that's fine but if somebody takes the time to give you an in-depth response or and it's um, it's about some sort of emotion in them. Then I feel like you know that it's it's only respectful to to give that person the time back. But in terms of the content, it's it really isn't the property stuff that tends to connect. It tends to be you have a lot of lurkers on LinkedIn as well. So for for anyone who's you know posting regularly and not getting the results that they want, it doesn't necessarily happen overnight. Well, I tend to find now when I get an inquiry dropping in my, lim- in my, my inbox and someone wants to, to jump on a call, it's pretty much there's no sales call, there's no strategy call, there's no discovery call. It literally is just a chat. And usually 
the people that have been following me, the, the conversations tend to go, I've been watching you for the last 18 months. Um, you know, uh, this particular post has really just grabbed me and I'm ready to work with you. It's, they know who we are, they know what our values are, because I'd like to think I demonstrate them quite regularly through my content. And it's, um, it's, it's, without sounding arrogant, it's pretty much a, a done deal. But yeah, it, it's not the property stuff. If you do a post that goes viral, I think the trick is to then follow it up whilst you've got eyes on your profile with um, not a spammy post, but just a post making it very clear what you do. So yeah. emotional post around fixed return investment in my case, that kind of thing. But but again, there's clever ways of doing it. Um, I think one of the the best posts I had for onboarding, I had one post where we onboarded 10 clients just off of one post. I, wow. I remember it. Um, I think I put something like, boom, just acquired um, 10 off-market um, HMOs for our London-based investors. You can't get returns like this down south, exclamation mark. No DMA, no anything, but the inbox just went nuts. Wow. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, this is the thing. It's 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 funny how it's kind of the soft sell. You're not actually pushing anything, but it's there and it's it's pulling in the kind of the eyeballs and, and getting people looking at what you're doing. And you're offering, I mean, what do you offer in terms of the fixed return? Um, it's as a percentage. I mean, because obviously interest rates now in the banks are kind of turning negative. Um, so, you know, it's an attractive thing to be able to offer fixed yeah. returns. What are you offering uh, your, your investors? Yeah, so it, it does depend on the, the amount of capital and the length of term, but it, it's up to 8%. And like you said, there's never been an easier time to, to raise finance. You know, it's, it's almost costing people money to keep the money in the bank. And so many people, we all work very hard for our money and it's time to, to get that money working hard for you. You know, yeah. these are asset-backed um, asset investments, you know, no, no investments without risk. And you certainly can't guarantee anything in life other than death and taxes. But I tell you what, I'd far, I'd far rather be, you know, putting put my money into to something like this with tangible returns rather than rolling your dice on the stock market. And um, we also use a lot of, um, we're SaaS trustees as well. So we use a lot of um, pension. pension funds to, okay. yeah. That makes sense. And do you put, you know, investors into you know jointly into investments or is it standalone kind of yeah it's usually standalone although with our fixed return investors obviously we've got the we've got the autonomy to kind of to do what we want but we we prefer to keep things very separate like i'm sure investors do as well because at least then they're not mixed in with somebody else they and and so you're giving a fixed return but the property is yours you're just kind of taking the the the, the income from it and paying the fixed return and then you're keeping the profit or whatever is left over is that right that's right yeah so so we either buy them to flip um or I mean, we're actually selling off quite a few you know i mentioned the, the 20 properties that we added to our own portfolio but the, the prices at the moment it's um you know we're, we're, we're not precious we're not emotionally attached this, this is a business for us at the end of the day so we're actually offloading quite a few so we either buy them do them up to sell in which at which point um if someone's just in deal specifically would get their return then or if not that bit of profit would go back into into the client account and, and wait until the, the end of the 24 month term or what have you was over or for the ones that we are keeping their own portfolio at the point of refinance that's when you, you pay your investor back so but we always wow. have we always have multiple multiple properties and contingencies and spreadsheets and god knows what else i'll leave all that to my husband my, my husband's a bit of a geek with all that kind of stuff you're obviously doing a lot of activity there. What does your team look like in terms of the different staff members that are supporting you and your husband? Well, we've learned right that there's many ways to skin a cat, as you know yourself, having in property. We, we've had, I think we're on our, it's not without its challenges, within three years, we're, we're now on our fifth project manager. Um, wow. we, we've had such bad experiences, unfortunately, with builders, with our builders uh, ripping us off. Um, we've had builders um, pretty much abandon sites halfway through. Like you could literally write a book. And I know that we're not alone with these experiences. And mm. for me as a business owner, one of our company values is we do what we say we're going to do. And very naively, I mean, I, up until three years ago, I've always been an employee. And um, I, I, I was so shocked. <laughs> there is an upside to this, but because the majority of people don't do what they say they're going to do, which I, I was shocked by. When we do what we say we're going to do, people think we're like absolutely amazing. Whereas for me, that should just be a, 
an absolute minimum requirement. Um, but anyway, the, the reason I mentioned that is because we want to mitigate as many of those risks as we possibly can by bringing things in-house, which is why we went through the process of, of bringing in project managers. We now have an operations manager um, and we have a, a project manager that, that sits underneath um, him. We've got um, we've got a small team of marketing. There's four of us in marketing. We've got um, three on the admin side and then we've got our, our, our trades as well. We've got... Um, painter and decorators join us and what have you on the books uh, yeah. but, but as you know it's a it's a constant it's a jigsaw puzzle and as soon as you get one piece there's another piece seems to go missing and you know it's it's there's a lot of firefighting and um, it's definitely not without its challenges but I'm very proud of the, the team and the culture that we're creating yeah it's 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 I mean and it's also in just three years you've ramped up quite quickly I'm uh, I'm impressed I was going to ask you I mean so you did your 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 property training and four days later you had two properties yeah. purchased and i mean so that was you and your husband working by yourselves effectively mm -hmm. and then you did you decide at that same time okay i must set up a linkedin account and must start you know putting a time into that were you looking at all the social media channels or were you just looking at linkedin like what was the decision to go all in on linkedin yeah, no, it was just LinkedIn, and I would advise anyone to master one platform. Now we're quite, um, we have quite an established brand, if you if you want to call it that, on on Facebook, Instagram, and what have you. And we've also launched the podcast, but it was primarily LinkedIn. But very interestingly, the the intention for the social media and the brand presence is is really changed over the last three years. Um, I mentioned here we're talking about the, the sort of content that resonates with people and. I also mentioned about, and, and I deliberately, uh, I'm very open about the challenges that I've had over the years with depression and what have you, and the amount of people that, women in particular, that reach out to me to see that they take inspiration from my content, it's given them confidence, they feel like that, they felt really alone, um, it's, it's just really empowered them to take the next step, and it may not necessarily be for, for a business venture, it may just be to, to, to do whatever just whatever. fans fans of your of your kind of openness about your struggles and stuff that that's um seems like yeah it. yeah the, the, i mean the, the the mindset i mean if you without the right mindset you're building your foundations on sand because i mean you know gavin um better than most what what can go wrong in property and you know things in business they can really derail you. We not we almost lost our electrical business in 2016 when a, a national contractor went under owing us significant amounts of money and it literally came down to the wire whether we could keep trading. And at the time I was um, heavily pregnant, I was really unwell with the stress, he wouldn't let me out of hospital. It was just a, a horrible, horrible time. But there's a lot of lessons learned from from those dark times. And I think anyone who's experienced those hardships and comes out the other end almost got a bit of an obligation to kind of share that with people yes. um, and people get so much value from that and actually I found through my public speaking I do quite a lot of public speaking now and it's never around property it's always around um, the mindset but the irony is the <laughs> the less I seem to talk about property the more I attract investment um, <laughs> it, it might the sound yeah, it, it, it sounds woo-woo, doesn't it? But people really connect more on a human-to-human -human, um, level. And talking about the social media, if you look at Richard Branson's personal following of several million compared to Virgin, which is only a few hundred thousand, or the same can be said with Elon Musk and Tesla, yes. I think the way that we're all doing business is changing. Yeah, the personal brand is so powerful um, compared to the corporate brand. And I mean, it's it's funny, you, what, I completely resonate with what you're saying there because... I mean, I'm involved in this business, you know, we've built this big business park here and, you know, there's a lot of credibility around working with these big, huge international companies and stuff. But it's only when I started sharing that, you know, the, my trouble, troubles with the, the 2008 crash and where I ended up, you know, tens of millions in the, in the red, that's when people are actually resonating. They're going, wow, you know, it's really good that you're sharing this because I'm struggling with, you know, kind of hangover from that time and all this kind of stuff. So it's interesting how you're saying sharing things about, you know, either depression or whatever it is really does resonate with people. And it seems to be far more attractive to them to, to kind of like follow somebody who's not doing the hard sell, you know, invest in my business, give us money and we'll give you a fixed return. No, instead they, they find that that's a side 
that's actually just something else that they're that they're attracted to about what you're saying and what you're what you're kind of posting. It's interesting. I, f- I fully agree. And you, before I started on this crazy entrepreneurial entrepreneurial roller coaster, I was um, I, I used to get suckered into the mainstream media. I thought that the country was fucked for pardon my French, but you know there was no money out there. We're all doomed, and this just not been my experience at all. And I know when I, I started in property, I very much. I say three years, I mean, it might as well be a lifetime ago. You talk about your life before children. I kind of feel like that life before property was her life before property. But I, I always, as a lot of people do, put the person with the money on a bit of a pedestal, like they were the golden goose and really not appreciating the value that we brought to the table. And actually, that that's probably one of the most powerful lessons that we learned quite early on, that we, we're, any transaction has to be a win-win for both parties. And that's whether we're buying a property, whether we're selling a property, whether we're, you know, whether, whether we're raising investment, it doesn't matter. It's it's the same principle. Mm. But there's no shortage of money out there and there's no shortage of people that want to back you. Um, you know, we've, we've got, my network is, is literally full of, of millionaires, decamillionaires. I've even got, got the odd billionaire there in, in there now. Whereas if you just said to Ellie Mackay from three years ago, whenever I spoke to anyone that was I don't know probably earned more than 100,000 pounds I was kind of like oh my god why are you even talking to me you know I'm not worthy and yeah it's just really interesting again why where it sort of ties back into the mindset yeah but it's also I think people appreciate a bit of being humble as well and they like to work with somebody who's humble uh, because uh, one of the big pet hates that I have and that I rant about occasionally is is this whole Instagram, you know, lifestyle, look at me, look at my watch, look at my car. And it's, you know, all of that stuff. And I, 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 there's a couple of people who pop up in my feed sometimes and it's, you know, them staring at their new watch and stuff and it's captured on the photograph perfectly. And I'm like, you know, who is going to invest with somebody who's kind of like showing off their latest acquisition because it doesn't set the tone for being a good money manager. Do you know what I mean? It's not showing that you're humble and it's not showing that you're, okay, it's showing that you're successful enough to have bought a fancy watch, but it doesn't really show you as being a good custodian of their investment. Whereas some of the posts that you're doing and being humble and stuff, I think does help a lot. Um, I, I just want to go back a little bit. What you were saying earlier that, you treated it like a full-time job. Mm-hmm. So can you just, I mean, give us a little bit of behind the scenes kind of you, you're, yourself and your husband, you bought two properties within four days of the thing and describe, you know, what you were up to during that time in terms of, you know, your, your, your activity on LinkedIn, because you can't post all day, you know, what were you doing um, to kind of grow your profile other than posting? Is there, is there stuff, have you got any tips and, and kind of tactics that you can share with us to help um, for our own audience who's listening here today that m- might want to try and do the same? It's quite interesting, actually, because you see what we're doing a day-to-day basis. It, <laughs> I remember sitting in the office for the first time, with classic entrepreneur, you've got my laptop, hired an office, you know, and all of this. And I'm like, sat there and I'm like, Right then, so what do I do? <laughs> my husband's like, well, you're the boss. I'm like, but I'm used to being told what to do. There's always these systems, you know, you type that and then he goes to that department and then this happens, you know, and I'm like, you know, I've got to create these systems. So it was kind of like that with, with LinkedIn. There was a lot of testing and measuring. And at the time I was um, I was probably posting three or four times a day, whereas now, you know, I, I don't even post every day. And um, sometimes I'm a, a little bit slack with it, but you want to really dominate people's headspace. But interestingly, I've actually deleted um, quite a few of my best performing posts. Why is that? Because I've changed. I've changed and evolved a lot in the last three years. And they don't Uh, resonate any longer, is it? I I don't resonate with it. I was... uh, I was a lot angrier, you know, there was a lot of observational things about, uh, you know, it's, it's that whole thing about blowing out somebody else's candle doesn't make yours any brighter. I think I was giving a bit of a, a running commentary on what I felt were, you know, perhaps people operating unethically or what have you, but it's a dangerous place to be. If you're constantly focusing on the negatives, whether you perceive them to be right or wrong, it, it's, um, you're not attracting the right kind of opportunities. And yes. I, I kind of realised certain, if I'm being brutally honest here, I realised certain topics would always um, incite lots of comments, you know, anything to do with Brexit or this, that, the other. and Triggers. It, yeah, a bit, a bit of clickbait. And 
it was genuine at the time. It was things I was genuinely passionate about or opinionated on. Whereas now I think I, I do evolve quite quickly and I don't feel that they're a representation of how far I've come. And quite interestingly, somebody actually, they must have went back a long way because I am quite prolific on social media. I put a post out and then somebody literally screenshot the post from two years before. And I had, he basically was contradicting it. I was like, well, you know what? I'm not a tree. I do change. I evolve, <laughs> I grow. And, and this is where I'm at now. And shame on you if you're exactly the same as you were two years ago. But um, it, so in terms of the LinkedIn stuff, I mean, that, that wasn't all of the marketing I did. As I said about, you know, the relationship element, I was getting around uh, people from one of the other ways that we attracted a lot of investors was rather than going to your, I, I don't mean this to sound um, derogatory, but some of your lower level networking events, which are fantastic and can provide quite a lot of value. But I was finding that you tended to find there was just all full of property sourcers or solicitors or finance brokers, whereas my avatar is typically people that are, higher net worth you know we, we don't really like to take on you know, there, there's exceptions to the rule but we don't really want to take on investments less than than sort of a hundred thousand so it was getting to the front of those rooms and getting on the stage and being that person of authority and um, going to, to personal development events and making sure that when I did do that and my bank balance by the way absolutely didn't reflect it at the time there was a lot of this stuff was going on credit cards but I would pay the premium to sit in the front row uh, like when um, Grant Cardone came over for the the 10x, the 10X. in 2000, 2018 uh, it was actually my um, my property mentors Paul and Billy that brought him over and you know, I actually sat and had dinner and Eleanor was sat on one side and me and Grant was sat on the other and then yeah. we went out for lunch the next day and like I only paid I think two grand for that ticket which I don't think it's a lot of money to, to have that kind of experience. Wow, um, like yeah. it, the Robert Kiyosaki went front row there. I, I um, just through chatting, just through conversation, just like this, what do you do? Oh, I do property, blah, blah, blah. Picked up three investors, onboarded three investors off the back of it. So it wasn't exclusively LinkedIn. But I found that with LinkedIn, if, if you're doing it, if you're in property, don't just go connect to a load of property people because you're you're fishing in the same pond as everyone else. Yeah. You know, um, utilize Sales Navigator because you can identify your avatar to a T and then you can, so if it's a, a business, you can have a, say you're looking for business owners, you can target businesses that have a set amount of employees in it. Like Daniel Priestley talks about your desert phase, which we're in at the minute and it's not a great place to be. You know, he, mm. he talks about if you've got less than 12 employees, it's like boutique and it's quite fun. It's all growth. It's everyone knows everyone. You can go out for meals and what have you. When you get from sort of 13 to, to around the 35 market, it's quite a tricky phase because you're not quite big enough to have you know, like a finance manager and this manager and that manager and you're still wearing quite a lot of hats but you're yes. too big to be small and too small to be big, to, yeah. to kind of be big so in terms of the sales navigator you would specifically look for employees of, of more than 40 and then target the business owners of um uh, and obviously you can do certain professions certain industries it's quite detailed you can make lists on sales navigator as well so that you can be strategic with your time rather than just scrolling through your newsfeed. Yes. When you're engaging specifically with people that are on your list. And um, there's something that is pretty cheap, but I would recommend the listeners to, to possibly invest in it. It's about $16 a month or something like that called Shield Analytics. And it's just a really um, easy digestible way to see um to, to analyze your posts best performing posts and what have you so that's that's a little tip but really i think more so than that and there's always hints and tips but it, it comes down to the ability to to write copy and to be able to connect i don't necessarily know if that is a, a teachable skill if i'm being honest with you it's it's just well, I've heard somebody talking about learning to co to, to copyright. Um, it was there's a chap I follow in the US called Mike Dillard, and he, you know, figured out how to copyright by taking sales copy that he thought was really really good, and that kind of connected with him. And then what he would do is actually transcribe it exactly, um, and by doing that exercise over and over and over again with multiple kind of things, he actually said that he figured out the pattern that that sale that good sales copy follows and it's you know it's kind of the small sentences it's like conversational and it's 
and he figured it out and, and then he kind of started kind of selling on that. And I know Nick James started out as a copywriter as well. And so it's interesting that you, what you've said there, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I think if you can master the art of copy and you master the art of marketing, you're never going to go far wrong. It's interesting because we've never really ran paid ads it's a bit of a buck pair of, of my mentors and that's for the property side of things as well that's actually acquiring the properties it all tends to come through relationships and contacts on and offline um, it's that's amazing yeah I mean because that. I've been because I, I worked with uh, Daniel Priestley I did KPI uh, his, his brand accelerator and he was saying that typically I think they spend nine percent or something like or five five to nine percent of their annual revenues are spent on advertising so it goes back into advertising and you're not spending anything on that that's so that's that's interesting no but for for transparency we spend a lot on marketing just not necessarily on paid ads we do okay, lot, so we do put a lot of money behind um well the the, the podcast absolutely everything um, but interestingly, we're about to trial some paid ads for LinkedIn. So I will let you know how that goes, Gavin, because a lot of people um, are very um, negative about LinkedIn ads. They're, I think historically they've been quite clunky, whereas for mm. me I can see that as an opportunity because whilst everybody else is playing about on Facebook, that's leaving LinkedIn for me. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking that exactly because I've tried to do, um, I've tried to promote my podcast using Facebook on occasion and it's kind of ridiculous because it's a real estate podcast. I talk about mindset and all that. Uh, and yet every time I tried to do some sort of an advert on Facebook, it would come back. You cannot, you know, advertise in the residential property sector as if I was selling property or something. And I was like, mm, this is a podcast. And I had to change the wording of the ad in order. And you had to remove property. You had to remove real estate. You had to remove anything that was related to the property industry in order for it to actually be allowed to be. And I was just thinking, oh, forget it. I'm not going to bother with this. <laughs> <laughs> too, too much work. Um, I'm just I'm very interested in what you said about the fact that you used to pay to sit up the front at these events, because that's something that 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 immediately resonated with them. I, the conversation I had um, in the previous podcast um, a week or two ago was with a, a chap here in Dublin called Joe Doyle. And Joe actually, um, Joe went to the 10X thing that Grant Cardone and he paid to sit right up the front. And as a result of that, he had a meeting with Grant Cardone and all that kind of stuff. So you've done that a few times from what you've just said there. And do you find that to be, have you found that to be really to open doors? It is a yeah. worthwhile investment in your opinion. Absolutely. We've onboarded clients off the back of it, like I said, three just from the Robert Kiyosaki event. But, you know, another phenomenal way to um, to, to attract, to, to build your brand and attract investment is to, to go down the podcasting route as well, because it's all about relationships. I find that people are a lot more open. We're all busy, you know, especially now that the world's finally reopening. And if you were to, like, for example, I've got my first um, my first billionaire coming on my, my On A Mission podcast, um, Joe Fraser, the um, the founder of Reebok. Wow. Whereas if I were to reach out to, to Joe and just say, can I come and pick your brains over Zoom for a coffee? He's going to say no. Yeah, he's, not, yeah. he's not got time to do that. But if you've got a podcast, people are just so much more um, open to, to sort of having that dialogue. And it's really interesting because for me, the podcast had absolutely nothing to do with property. It's not a property podcast. It's, it's about mindset. It's about um, people who know what it takes to get to the top. So I've, I've had like people like Ricky Hatton and Johnny Nelson on their boxers. I've had Ryan yes. Babel, the, the, um, the ex-Liverpool player and things like that because the mindsets and the disciplines are very similar. But by default, and this was absolutely not the intention, um, I'm finding that um, people want to work with us. Some of my, my podcast guests are saying, oh, right, you do property, you build a portfolio, or I've got some capital sat in the bank. And it's just really interesting. The key is just getting around to people. If you can get your message out on a one-to-many basis, whether that's public speaking, whether that's through your social media, whether that's through your podcasting, the more people out there that know your name, the more opportunities you've got to transact. Yeah, it is. It's so true. Um, that's really interesting and, and valuable. Uh, I wanted to ask, I mean, what's next for Ellie McKay? I mean, you, you're, you're so busy now with all of the stuff that you got. 34,000 followers on LinkedIn, you know, lots of property deals going on. Uh, and now you've got your podcast. What's on the uh, horizon for you and, uh, and your team? Like, what, Have you got anything that kind of excites you, plans in the, for the future? 
Yeah, I mean, our latest business, you, you asked earlier about how we've been impacted by the pandemic and um, certainly there, were, there was challenges on the property front as well, but overall we definitely capitalised on the opportunity. Um, our electrical business, however, we predominantly work with the sheltered housing providers. And had we just been relying on that one business, uh, I don't think we'd be having the same conversation because the the, the business is, was kind of brought to its knees over the last 18 months. But off the back of that and the unfortunate um, disaster that happened with Grenfell, we have ended up launching a fire protection business just less than 12 months ago, um, which ironically is, is now far outperforming our electrical business. It's, it's wow. hoped to, to hopefully turn over some figures in its, its first 12 months. So there's there's quite a lot of exciting opportunity uh, for, for there. Um, I'm looking to, um, to, to fly the flag for women in construction and, and sort of be the face of that business and, and help with the PR and the promotional side of that. But my, my real passion lies with the, the podcasting, the connecting with people, um, and it's all based around the mindset. Um, always got a few little side hustles on the go. We're just creating um, a course um, around uh, raising finance, which is going to be a little series of video modules um, discussing um, you know, some, some sort of deep dive into the strategies around LinkedIn and some of the other ways that we've that allowed us to, to fund our property projects. So we're going to be doing that. And... Um, I'm also looking at setting up a bit of a, a Dragon's Den style course where we are going to encourage people to, we're going to deliver a couple of days of content around how to pitch and public speaking, how to present yourself. And then on the third day, I'm going to tap into my network and get some really exciting people, some some, some of the, the top names in business from across the UK to to join us on the panel and um, hopefully do a bit of business. So that's Sounds exciting great. as well. That's exciting. It's exciting. Um, have, have you got any helpful resources or tools that, you know, have that you use to kind of help um, either grow your expertise or your knowledge? I mean, are there any podcasts that you listen to, for example? Yeah, I quite like the High Performance Podcast with um, James uh, J. Comfrey. Um, okay. Also, one of my other guests um, that I had on my podcast, a guy called um, Dodge, he's got a podcast called The Eventful Entrepreneur, which is really interesting. And off the back of his podcast, it's funny how opportunities come about. Someone actually heard, heard his podcast, the next thing ITV uh, were in touch with him, and he's ended up, he is now a co-host on the Harry Redknapp show, which is, wow. which is, which is quite crazy. But they, and I'm not a football fan at all, but I, I find it really interesting content. Um, so yeah, I, I listen to, to Rob's Disruptive Entrepreneur, uh, but yes. I'm, con I'm continually, um, I mean, I'm a lifelong student, I'm continually um, investing in my own development, my own education. Uh, some of the names you've mentioned, like Nick James, I mean, his Seven Figure Mastermind. Um, I work with Rob Moore on his personal brand mastermind. I still work with my, my own uh, property mentor and they're very good friends of mine, Paul, up in Scotland. So, yeah, continually learning. I mean, I'm, I'm 40 grand in just this year in terms of my own personal development. So, it, wow. But every every penny you get back tenfold, not just in terms of money in the bank, but the information and experiences for me are priceless. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm I'm constantly invent, uh, investing in myself. I've just signed up to a thing called Strategic Coach, which is um, a guy called Dan Sullivan, and I did KPI with with Daniel Priestley, and uh, and I'm actually launching my own mastermind um, that's going to be kind of bringing people along the the investment journey with me kind of I suppose sort of in their corner helping them sort of choose uh, choose the, what what the way they structure their deal and, and attract investors and stuff like that. Ellie um, one of the final questions uh, I always ask my guests uh, and I, of course you're, you're still a young lady uh, but what advice would you give to a young Ellie McKay who's starting out and knowing now what you know? Oh, what a great question. I would suggest to everyone that I, I wish I'd got started earlier. I think it really is a case of just starting out and get perfect later. If you're going to wait for all your ducks to be in a row, that will never happen. The uh, The right time will never come. And whilst everyone was whittling about breakfast, uh, breakfast the Brexit, we went out and, <laughs> and built a, a, you know, a multi-million pound property portfolio uh, and I think just refuse to be judged by the limitations of others because well-intentioned or otherwise there's a lot of conventional wisdom out there and um, you know be careful who you take your advice from because you know for me I take my financial advice off of multi-millionaires not my skin auntie sue that's telling me that the <laughs> market's saturated you know yeah yeah that'll never work and <laughs> all this kind of stuff that you yeah. hear 
Um, finally, uh, Ellie, how do people, if people want to connect with you, uh, obviously LinkedIn is going to be the way to do it, but what are the best ways to reach out and connect with you? So yeah, LinkedIn, um, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, got a Facebook page, my On A Mission podcast, if I can give a little plug there. Um, so yeah, you will, you will not find it difficult to find me, elliemckay.com website as well. Okay, I'll put a couple of links in the show notes. Uh, Ellie, it's been a super pleasure uh, and thanks so much for your time today and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Oh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you. So that's it for episode 59 of Behind the Facade. Thank you so much for listening. As always, my number one ask is to leave a review or simply share the episode out with somebody you think might benefit from it. In the show notes, you'll find the various things discussed with Ellie today. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please connect with me via the Facebook group Behind the Facade community. Alternatively, you will find me on social media using the handle Gavin J. Gallagher. And that goes for my YouTube channel, which I'm kind of active in these days. And so I'd like you to go over there and check it out as well. That's Gavin J. Gallagher. Lastly, you can stay up to date with my various events and challenges I'm working on, not to mention the new mastermind that is being launched in July. And so if you just want to get on any information on that, just please add your name to the email list and you'll find that at www.gavinjgallagher.com forward slash go. All right, folks, wish you a great week and we'll speak to you again next week. Mm -hmm.